This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Raise the tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. And if you're joining us for the first time, and I always say this, but College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. We're already 11 episodes in, and it's been a blast talking about the the best universities that send players to the NFL, talking about some of the top rookies this year, talking about some breakout college players. It's been a fun summer, and the NFL is finally here. Last week, John Lobb and I talked about breakout players for college football, but the NFL is back, so want to dive into 2020 breakout players for the NFL this year. And I know this is a topic that's been covered all summer long, it feels. And so I'll try to do things a little bit differently on the show today. And I normally actually have a special guest join me, but I decided, you know, I'm going to keep it a little shorter this week. Everyone's going to be listening to their favorite fantasy football podcast. Everybody's going to be eating up as much football goodness as they can before NFL week one begins. So I thought, hey, I'm going to make a special episode, breakout players, kind of guys I'm flag planted on, and I believe you should be flag planted on as well moving forward in terms of NFL value for your fantasy teams and NFL value for their real NFL teams. So I'm going to keep it a little bit shorter this week. I know you've got like 20 other football podcasts you're going to get to this week. I know I, I am too. But hopefully all these players are guys that you got, you can target in your fantasy football leagues, whether you play Dynasty or Redraft or whatever, or guys that you can just look for and talk about and get excited about on your favorite NFL teams here soon. But before we dive into the best breakout players for 2020 in the NFL, let's hit up the FFPC stat attack of the week that has to do with the topic of today. The best place to play season-long fantasy football. Last season alone, we saw Devontae Parker, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, Michael Gallup, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel all post their first breakout season, finishing at least as a wide receiver three or better, actually, for some of them. Some of them were wide receiver ones and twos. But that's 10, or in other words, nearly a third of last year's top 36 wide receivers that had never seen a season inside the top 36 before and somehow managed to get there. Six of them finished inside the top 24. In 2018, we actually saw nine wide receivers finish inside the top 36 for the very first time in their NFL career, and five of those guys finished inside the top 24. In fact, every year for the past five years, we've seen at least nine new wide receivers enter the top 36 for the first time ever in their careers. And an average 
of over five new faces within those nine finished inside the top 24 every year for the past five years. And that's this week's FFPC stat attack. MyFFPC.com, the best place to play fantasy football all year long. So really, finding true breakout players is how you win in fantasy football, especially in dynasty fantasy football leagues. Plus, it's just incredible, even if you're not into fantasy, just watching these guys break through and really live their dreams at the highest level ever. But what do these breakout players look like? Because that's that's tough. It's it's, identif- it's identifying the right ones, like and which ones are going to do it this year. So let's tackle that, and knock it out, and we're actually going to stick to wide receivers here first. I know everybody wants to probably hear about Antonio Gibson for the uh, Washington football team, and we will get there. But we're going to start off with some wide receivers. So what do most of the wide receiver breakouts, you know, in the last five, six years, modern NFL, what, what do they look like? Like, what's the situation look like for them? I, I And I know that there are a million variables that go into it. But since 2014, more than three quarters of the breakouts to join the top 24 for the first time were actually in their first, second or third season. And many great great analysts have already covered this before, and, and I've d- dove into that some this summer even deeper, but the largest career jump for wide receivers is actually from year one to year two, not actually from year two to year three. You do see some later breakouts uh, here and there, but most of the time, if you're going to see somebody break out, they're doing it actually in their first season or second season and maybe their third season, but wide receivers break out earlier than they used to, maybe ever. <laughs> Uh, in, in NFL history. And really in, in the past, you know, since 2014, we've actually had at least one rookie finish inside the top 36 wide receivers every year. And really most years, and in fact, every other year except one, we had multiple rookies making, you know, a real impact finishing in the sub, inside the top 36. And most of the time we have at least one inside the top 24. But what do those guys look like? I mean, we could talk about the production metrics that, that lead to future NFL success. And we will talk about a few rookies uh, and why we, I, I believe that they will break out in year one. Uh, there are definitely some production metrics that we can rely on from, you know, that can help us predict future breakouts for wide receivers. But once a player's been in the NFL for a year or even two or, or more, the college production metrics don't really mean much in terms of predicting future NFL success. It's what they've already done, it's their situation. That really matters. Like, do they have real target share growth? Are they in a situation with a lot of volume? Because, yes, several of the breakouts that we saw in the past five, six years, you know, jumping from wide receiver four or lower into wide receiver three to two, one, that kind of range, many, in many cases, most cases even, they were entering a situation where 20% or more of their team's receiving yard market share or overall, you know, targets and, and receiving yards. Uh, had left, so there there were va- there was vacated production. They had to somebody had to step up, right? So that most of the time you see it, it's in that kind of situation. But in some instances, that wasn't the case, and you you can't always plug in, you know, yard for yard or target for target year over year with within NFL offenses. There's changes every single year with offensive coordinators, with quarterbacks, with you know, with surrounding casts that make, you know, sustained greatness or sustained target levels actually repeatable. So if, if it wasn't that there was a bunch of vacated production, in many cases, they're on teams that just threw the ball a ton. In fact, most in most cases, they're on teams that were throwing nearly 600 pass attempts, maybe even more. 
But with that said, you know, receiver breakouts are strange. I mean, sometimes you, you see low volume target guys like AJ Brown last year for the Titans breakout. I mean, he, he didn't even sniff, didn't even get close to 100 targets, still broke out. And then some breakout way late. I mean, like, like Devontae Parker last year. I mean, having a fifth year breakout or whatever it was, just ridiculous to see somebody, you know, just kind of stick around, struggle with health, and then he finally breaks out, puts it together. But with that said, who should break out this year at wide receiver given their circumstances and their talent? Well, first, let's talk about some guys that already have a, you know, wide receiver three season, but I believe they could break out even further because, uh, you know, it's great to target guys that are coming out of nowhere, but that's that that can be harder to do. A couple of guys that actually had almost identical rookie years last year in terms of receptions, yards and touchdowns, Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf. I know a lot of people are on that the Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf trains already. However, I think that the ceiling is is not being hyped up enough for what they could be. So let's look at their individual situations and break down what the true potential is for both of those players. Let's kick it off with Terry McLaurin because that guy has all the opportunity you could ever ask for in a wide receiver. Last year was kind of a mess. If you remember, they they were messing around with Case Keenum being the guy, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy even was was uh, in there some had a had a game where he started. It just was not a, a a good situation for wide receivers last year. Nobody on the entire offense for the Washington football team saw even 100 targets a year ago. And then they let their second leading target guy go, and who was a running back last year. Chris Thompson is now gone. Steven Sims is still there. He's probably going to be manning this slot this season. We, we were hoping Kelvin Harmon would be a thing, but now he's not going to be. They bring in Antonio Gandy-Golden, who I guess is going to have a role. The, the, the situation there is not looking great for them at wide receiver. And Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a lot of weapons. Alex Smith, I guess, could come back miraculously still. He's cleared for football activities. You know, it's it's going to be a weird season again for Washington but you got to think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be a little bit better than he was a year ago under 30 percent of the time you know they were converting on third downs like they allowed almost 50 percent conversions for third downs for opponents but couldn't even break 30 percent as a team on third downs last year so hopefully they can actually sustain some drives so that Terry McCormick can have an even better season last year because if he would have just been able to stay on the field his targets would have been crazy but yeah last year only had 93 targets 58 receptions 919 yards still got seven touchdowns so market share wise he's already crazy nobody else he even had 400 receiving yards on the team last year he had over 900 now, I don't want to extrapolate that and assume that he's going to have that crazy a target share again, but who else is it going to be? I, I, I don't know if I like anybody else there for Terry, for Terry McCorn to compete with for targets. Now, we're going to get to Antonio Gibson. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. Uh, you know, They're going to be creative about where they put him uh, all over the field, at lining up probably as a wide receiver, lining up as a a receiving threat out of the backfield, but Terry McLaurin is in line. If he can break 100 targets this year, if he can break 120 targets this year, even like a, like a normal wide receiver one would do on an NFL team, you're easily looking at a guy that's in the 1200 yard range with maybe 10 touchdowns or more. So I'm actually projecting that Terry McLaurin jumps from a you know barely a wide receiver three a year ago to if there is a little bit of a uh, move towards the offense, you know, not being basically the worst in the NFL, 
towards a little bit more normal uh, and more normalcy, I believe Terry McLaurin is going to be a wide receiver one this year. And not only just a wide receiver 12 or 11, I think that Terry McLaurin, despite his lackluster production profile in college, he's going to explode this season and be a top 10 wide receiver, maybe a top six or seven NFL wide receiver and be one of the more efficient on his way to doing so. His catch percentage was just barely over 60% last year. Uh, a lot of things were off target. He had a bunch of uncatchable balls. So if he, if he sees any positive regression at all towards some kind of normal, actual catchable target rate, and he gets the 120 targets, and that's really going to be easy for a second-year guy to make that kind of bump in a situation where they have no one else to go to. So you're looking at a guy who's easily going to coast to 1,200 yards, if not 1,300 or more, and have double-digit touchdowns this year. And that's probably being conservative if he stays healthy. And that may may sound crazy to some, just some people might think that no one is going to get there for the Redskins. But if you look at what he was doing last year down the stretch, he was the trusted guy. He's going to absolutely explode. The biggest jump for any NFL wide receiver is year one to year two. We're going to see that again here with Terry McLaurin. But let's let's talk about DK Metcalf because I'm not sure that he's going to be as safe uh, a projection for you know crazy wide receiver one 120 plus 100. I mean, really, McLaurin could be 130, 140 depending on if they can stay on the field and sustain drives. But a year ago, DK Metcalf had 100 targets in his first season as an NFL player. Gets to 900 yards on just 58 receptions, almost you know 15 and a half yards per reception, seven scores. And Tyler Lockett is a great, great player entering, you know, age 28 season for him. He's he's going to be good for another 80 catches and 1,000 yards or so. They have no other targets still on that team that they can really trust. It, the entire offense is going to go through Lockett and through Metcalf. And yes, they are going to be more run first still because it, it is the Seahawks. But, but what's crazy is they only threw the ball 517 total times as a team and still got two guys over 100 targets. Still got two guys with at least 900 yards. I think they're going to do that again. However, I think the tables are going to be turned. I think Metcalf's going to see the greater number of targets over Lockett this year. And we could be looking at a situation, thanks to Russell Wilson and, and his efficiency, we could be looking at a situation like last year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where both of these guys maintain some crazy level of efficiency. And maybe neither of them have over 120 targets, but they're still up there thanks to the quarterback play and thanks to the, the ability to sustain drives with their run game as well. But even a year ago, they're they're converting about 40% of the third down, staying on the field, sustaining drives, getting to the red zone a ton. They had 60 trips to the red zone last year as a team, which is super high. So if they do that again... And, and DK Metcalf easily breaks 100 targets again. And like I said, historically, you see that biggest jump from year one to year two. So you're looking at easy 1,100 yards, probably eight scores minimum. And so that's automatically probably putting him into the wide receiver two conversation, if not getting closer to wide receiver one, if he has a couple bigger, longer plays. Because he is a big play threat, and he has he was that's who he was in college. He was a deep threat. Basically only run slant routes and go routes. That was like 90% of his game. That's still 90% of his game. But if he breaks out and learns out any, if he learns any other route this year and breaks anything for, you know, his, his longest play a year ago was actually only 54 yards. He didn't have any game breaking, crazy long 70, 80 yard reception that we thought DK Metcalf might do. If we see a few more big long plays from a guy that is 
probably the most monstrous matchup nightmare just downfield already in the NFL. Then we're looking at a guy who's going to jump from a back end wide receiver three to maybe a top 15 to 18 wide receiver if he can even just get to 120 targets. So I want to see the Seahawks pass a little bit more. They didn't last year. I'm not saying that they're going to throw 600 times, but I'm flag planting with DK Metcalf taking the next step and passing Tyler Lockett on the target totem pole this year in year two and easily getting to 120 targets minimum and being efficient with them because he only caught 58% of the balls that probably had to do with his average depth of target just a year ago. But if he leans more towards what you typically expect with his average depth of target, you probably are going to see a guy who converts over 60% of his targets for catches this year. And so if he's just slightly more efficient, gets 15%, 20% more targets this year, you're looking at a guy whose who's ceiling truly is near a back-end wide receiver one. But I, I'm going to say he's going to be a top 18 wide receiver this year. I've been targeting DK Metcalf in every redraft league, trying to get him in trades wherever I can this offseason. The dude has, he reminds me of early career Julio Jones and that he just takes slants and, and kills people with it. He kills people downfield with the vertical routes. He's got the size. He's got the 4-3 speed. And he's got a good supporting wide receiver in Tyler Lockett to take some attention away so you can't just bracket him all day. DK Metcalf is going to be a future wide receiver one. He's going to be a wide receiver one soon in his career. And if he was on a team that threw any more, he would already be this year. But he's going to make that leap into the top 18 this year, no doubt. And moving on to another guy who is entering his second season, Marquise Hollywood Brown, cousin of Antonio Brown. Everyone's talked about that ever since he was at Oklahoma. He's a wide receiver one on his own team. Maybe not the lead target on his own team because the Ravens like to go to Mark Andrews. In fact, they threw almost 100 targets to Mark Andrews just one year ago. But Marquise Hollywood Brown actually only started about 10 or 11 games and played in 14 and only had 71 targets in, in his first season. Obviously, the, the Ravens threw uh, fewer pass attempts than anybody else in, in the National Football League, even fewer than my Tennessee Titans. I'm not going to believe they're going to only throw the ball 440 times. Because unless they're as league-breakingly efficient as they were on the ground again in back-to-back seasons with NFL defenses learning absolutely nothing from last season, that's a possibility, I guess, but that's probably not the most likely outcome. They're they're probably going to have to lean a little bit more on, on the passing game. But Hayden Hurst left. That's 40 targets that are gone. Maybe there's a little bump in the direction of Mark Andrews and he's even uh, he's an even greater tight end one. I think that's going to that's going to happen. He's probably going to have just over 100 targets this year, but with a 16 game season for Marquise Hollywood Brown and a bump in targets, maybe some moving away from the tight end position to a more proven year 2 stud in Marquise Hollywood Brown, already had 584 yards on just 71 targets last year. It's easily in the cards for Marquise Hollywood Brown to move from a you know back end wide receiver four up to a wide receiver two. You know breaking into the top twenty four would be only the third guy that I've mentioned so far. We like I said we typically see at least nine guys break into the top thirty six every year. At least five guys or maybe even six guys break into the top twenty four for the first time every single year. And over two thirds of the time it is guys in their first, second, or third season. Most of the time it's guys in their second season. I would be betting on Marquise Hollywood Brown to add to the ranks this year with any increase at all in, in overall pass attempts for the Ravens. He's the cheapest 
you know, wide receiver one on his own team, maybe in the NFL this year, despite, you know, there's maybe a couple other guys that are up in that conversation, but he is cheap still. I've been having people try to pitch me stuff all all off season long trying to acquire Hollywood Brown. I just had somebody who's like, hey, so Mike Williams, like, where do you value him versus Marquise Hollywood Brown? And it, it, people are trying to lowball because they know that Hollywood Brown is about to go off in year two. I think he's a top 24 wide receiver, maybe top 20 wide receiver if the Ravens actually lean his way at all with teams really trying to account for Mark Andrews this season. And then the last year two guy that I'm going to talk, talk about before I get into some rookie talk here and which ones that are probably going to break out, which guys I, I'm confident that are going to break out at least by the end of their rookie year. Nikhil Harry has to break out for the New England Patriots or else they're going to be in some major trouble because they're going to be relying on Julian Edelman, who he's been trustworthy for a very long time. He's probably still going to get his targets. He's going to get his receptions if he's healthy, but he has shown to not be some in recent years. And if he isn't healthy, they are going to have to feed Nikhil Harry, who actually was okay in spurts when he was healthy last year. Obviously was hurt for quite a bit of time last year, missed a lot of time last year for the New England Patriots. Tom Brady's gone, but Cam Newton is there. They recently hilariously cut Mohamed Sanu after paying a second round pick for him. And so they're left with a very inexperienced wide receiver room outside of Julian Edelman, who's like 4,000 years old at this point. Yes, they're going to probably toss quite a few balls to James White, but I mean, are they going to go to Jacoby Jacoby Myers, another, you know, inexperienced young guy? Are they they going to go to Demir Bird, you know, kind of practice squad depth piece for a long time? Like there's, there's not a whole lot of guys there that I'm really concerned with taking a lot of targets. Julian, does Julian Edelman get to 150 targets again this year? I don't think in his age 34 season, that Julian Edelman is going to get 150 targets. And it was really just out of necessity last year because they didn't have anybody healthy at all or experienced at all. And they tried and got desperate trading a second rounder for Mohamed Sanu. It was just a mess at wide receiver. But Nikhil Harry coming off of a season where he only saw 24 targets. If he gets inserted into a more, t- more typical wide receiver two role for an NFL offense, you know, that 90 to 100 target range, there's absolutely no way he's not going to sneak into the back end of the wide receiver three conversation. But I think he could be because he was, he's been an anchor for any offense he's been on dating back to high school. Uh, and really dominated at an early age in college. I think this is really almost like his rookie season because we really just couldn't see much of him last year. He's going to burst on the scene. He's going to get 100, maybe 110 targets and be a top 30 wide receiver this year. I think that that's in that's probably more likely than not. He's going to be in that 100 target range. Julian Edelman is going to be in that 130 target range. It's going to be a funnel offense through Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, and probably again, James White, because they don't have a really talented receiving back core that they trust in like they do James White. So Nikhil Harry, another breakout player that I'm targeting everywhere. And I'm sorry if these guys are, are duh players to you, and they should be, but you need to be actually proactively targeting these players Try to figure out where their value is. I, I, depending on the format, it's going to change. Like I don't know what kind of fantasy football formats you you guys play. But with DK Metcalf, Terry McCorn, you're looking at multiple firsts. That it's, it's what they're costing already in terms of rookie picks. Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Nikhil Harry, though, depends on your league mates. I've seen Nikhil Harry get moved this year for like back-end firsts and things like that. Uh, and he's just one year removed from being a first-round NFL draft pick. So look for Harry and try to go acquire him in as many leagues as you can. 
But rookies, I'm I'm buying into Jalen Rager still. He's been my wide receiver one since really since January, since I was like, okay, screw it. He had six bad quarterbacks that he had to deal with, still broke out at an early age, still showed all the bursts that you can at the NFL combine. He's in a situation where they have no proven wide receiver depth that that are, you know, that's gonna be healthy and, and is actually young this year. Obviously, he's not healthy right away, but I would expect some kind of late season breakout similar to A.J. Brown and finished close to 100 targets or more in his rookie season. They've been talking him up in camp. Jalen Rager checks every single production box you want to talk about. If you're talking about his career dominator rating or his adjusted yards per team pass attempt, any kind of production metric that you want to see, even bringing it in the return game. He's just a phenomenal playmaker. And he's in one of the best situations to have an early target share once he sees the field. So I'm all in Jalen Rager. I had him as my fourth overall rookie in, I guess it was my February uh, top 100 rookies piece for Rotoviz. Take the injury discount as he's going to miss the beginning of the season. Could be reminiscent of early first year Odell Beckham Jr. missing his first part of his rookie year and absolutely blowing it up in the back. And that's the kind of potential that Jalen Rager has for the Philadelphia Eagles. The other wide receiver I'm going to say that is going to break out and just be an instant impact player is actually going to be Michael Pittman Jr. And there are a couple of analytics people that are going to disagree with me and say that, no, he can't do it. He, he never did it, and he only did it in his last season and in terms of actually really breaking out in college. There was a bunch of context to explain his later breakout, but what really matters is what his NFL team thinks of him. And they traded up to get him. They love him. Frank Reich, if you've seen videos about him talking about Pittman, even like I think it was before the NFL Combine and especially after the NFL Combine, like he was he knew that Pittman was going to be a Colt in February. Uh, and if you look at his archetype and, and what where that fits in with Philip Rivers and who he likes to target, and really even last year, like the leading target for the Colts was Zach Pascal, who fits the Michael Pittman Jr. actual mold just from a physicality standpoint. Obviously, way different talent, not even in the same ballpark for Zach Pascal, leading just kind of a weird offensive year. T.Y. Hilton is over the hill at this point, still going to get his targets, but I don't see him being a target hog that gets, uh, you know, 150 targets or something to where a rookie can't break out. Jack Doyle, he's not a target hog. Last year, got 72 targets. I think he could see more. I, I like him as a back-end tight end one, maybe. And yeah, the backs are going to get fed some, but I think Naheem Hines is going to see a lesser target total because you actually have a legit three-down back in Jonathan Taylor there who's going to compete with Marlon Mack for the starting job. And Marlon Mack's not a, a pass-catching back either. So they have really, I mean, Paris Campbell, yeah, they drafted him two years ago. But he's not even really a wide receiver. He's an athlete. Like, if you look back to his college game, I think it was not until his last season, not until the Michigan game, almost the end of the season, I think he only had one catch that was further than 12 yards downfield. That is, he only had one catch that was actually caught more than 12 yards downfield. He was a dink and dunk gadget guy that was just an athlete, and he's got speed. That's cool. Whatever. I'm going with, you know, the the ex alpha wide receiver to be the the guy to get the targets in this offense, especially with Philip Rivers sending him the ball. I think like early 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 uh earlier career like Vincent Jackson, that connection for Philip Rivers and even like Keenan Allen, he's a bigger bodied guy. I think he likes targeting that alpha that can run the routes and get open at all levels of the field and is not just an underneath kind of athlete that Paris Campbell is. So, if I'm betting on anyone in this year's Colts offense, it is going to be Michael Pittman Jr. For the Indianapolis Colts to absolutely break out and have a wide receiver, you know, two or three type impact 
in his first season. There are a bunch of other rookie wide receivers I love, and I'm not leaving them out because I don't like him. C.D. Lamb, I think long-term, is still in the wide receiver one conversation in, in, in this class. Jerry Judy could earn that kind of role, but with Drew Locke in year one and Cortland Sutton being the proven guy there, Noah Fant probably breaking out a tight end, I don't see the targets to do it. Justin Jefferson for the Vikings says apparently the wide receiver three still on the on the Vikings, which I, I dare you to name more than three wide receivers on the Vikings right now. And Adam Thielen's going to be the alpha. So I, I, maybe he gets 80 targets in year one, but I don't see him breaking out and being a, a, you know somebody that you start in year one. I really, really love Justin Jefferson long term to continue earning market share and Adam Thielen's not getting any younger. So I think he could emerge, especially as, as, as one of my favorite year two breakouts, but I'm not buying him as a breakout just yet in year one. I mean, LaVisca Chenault, a lot of people like him because, you know, Jacksonville just moved off 100 targets with Leonard Fournette. I'm, I'm more thinking that DJ Chark is just, just going to be a wide receiver one this year overall. I've been drafting him earlier than ADP all over the place. So I'm not really targeting LaVisca Chenault because I think they're just going to shovel everything now to DJ Chark this season. But I, there's so many good rookie wide receivers this year. Uh, to get excited about it. even like I like Denzel Mims, I like T, T Higgins. This is this could be an like an all time class that has that kind of potential. But if I'm targeting anybody to break out in year one after Rager's healthy, it's going to be him and Michael Pittman. It's going to be him for the Colts. But but before I dive into the other positions, just a word from our sponsors. For years, you've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. At Rotoviz, we love titles, we love hardware, we love championships, we love winning, and we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy, best ball mania, $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place, it's only $25 to enter, it's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great underdog fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device and you're gonna make a deposit. You're gonna use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're gonna go refer five friends and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's, it's kind of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code ROTOVIZ, you get a free entry. No brainer guys, let's chase that glory, 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, They've got a $5 tournament called the Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. 
Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit and use code ROTOVIZ and chase that glory. All right, so it's time for other positions beyond the wide receiver position. We could talk about wide receiver breakouts all day because there could be a dozen of them this year. And they are hard to predict, but running back breakouts can be even you know harder to predict sometimes or at least they feel that way because there's not as many of them every single year i mean you have your you know your zero running back targets that you know break out because of the starter in front of them got injured or there's some kind of weird situation where they're fantasy viable for like four weeks i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the guys that had the, the ability to break out for an entire season long because everybody's got their favorite zero rb targets or whatever you want to talk about all year but i want to talk about some of the rookie guys coming in that, that could earn early roles and a couple other guys a couple other names that i believe have breakout potential as well but first the man of the hour obviously is antonio gibson for the washington football team everybody's been on him for a while now just because of the opportunity with darius geis not being in the league anymore then adrian peterson gets cut so who else is even there? It's obviously Antonio Gibson's job. And man, it's crazy because back in January when I was ranking him as my 20th overall rookie exclusive of, I had him ranked behind some other IDP individual defensive players uh, that were coming in if you play in those kind of leagues. But with just offense, he was my 20th overall rated rookie, which felt weird because yes, you may have heard this. He only had 33 carries in college, 38 receptions in college in terms of actual division one touches. Why is that? Because he actually took the junior college route, uh, was not actually in Division One early to start, came into Memphis and really didn't have any role at all. And there probably wouldn't have been a role for him last year had it not been for Patrick Taylor Jr. going down with injury in week one. They give the keys to the offense to Kenneth Gainwell, a smaller, shiftier back. And he's the leading rusher, kind of dominates with 1,500 plus yards. Antonio Gibson is this gadget guy who's a wide receiver and running back, only has 71 touches on the year. But still, because of his ridiculous size at six foot, like 230 pounds, and his ability to run a 4-4 at that speed, I mean, he gets drafted anyway as a day two pick. And, and he becomes one of only six transfer running backs since 2010. That's junior college transfers, any other kind of transfers, only six running backs since 2010 to earn day two, day two draft capital or better. And really out of that six running back cohort, the only hit in that whole group is Alvin Kamara. Like that's it. Like nobody else has done virtually anything unless you want to count like the half a second that Charles Sims was relevant uh, back for the Buccaneers. But Antonio Gibson, he's in a situation where they just sent... 300 carries out the door between Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Chris Thompson from a year ago, plus a bunch of receiving market share. Like I mentioned earlier with Chris Thompson being gone, he had like 60 targets. Gibson averaged 15 and a half yards per touch in college. I don't think he's going to do that in the NFL, but he's he's got all this potential, this huge chunk of, of carries up for grabs, and all he has to do is beat out Bryce Love and Peyton Barber. He's obviously in line to be a running back too at the very least. I'm going to say, because I love the dude, I think he has feature back potential. I think he has David Johnson potential. I'm just going to say that flag planted right in here, he's going to be a top six running back this year. I think he has that kind of potential. He is going to be the difference maker that keeps the offense moving and keeps them on the field on those situations. Like I mentioned earlier, that they couldn't couldn't stay on the field once they got to third down. Antonio Gibson is going to be the difference maker there. They didn't have an electric playmaker outside of Terry McLaurin 
Antonio Gibson is the answer there. Like I said, 15 and a half yards per touch last year. And why did that happen? Why was he able to do that? Because he broke a broke a tackle on almost half of those touches. In fact, he led all players in all of college football with the highest broken tackle percentage of, of all players that had at least 70 touches or more. He had a 43% broken tackle percentage last year playing for the Memphis Tigers. Thanks to his size, thanks to his speed, thanks to his balance, he's going to be an impressive running back out of the gate, even though he hasn't had to carry the load just yet. And really where he's going to make the difference is his ability to make people miss in space and to throw smaller defenders to the ground in reception situations as well. So feature back Antonio Gibson, target him everywhere. I don't care if you have to overpay. He's going to blow up this year. I know everyone's saying it already. I'm just saying there's absolutely no way this kid does not hit. He wasn't a first round pick for me this spring just because of, you know, the limited workload, but now given the opportunity, given all the arrows pointing up, just go overpay for the kid. I don't care <laughs> if you play redraft or dynasty fantasy football, whatever league it is. But before I get into any other rookies, guy I'm really excited about this year who's a veteran. I've loved since college, drafted him all over when he came into the league. Kenyon Drake, uh, he's you know he's never had the, the big running back one finishes, but last year he had three running back one games for the Cardinals. Down the stretch, the, two of the last three games, he was running back one, almost hit the threshold in his final week as well. What's weird about Kenyon Drake is that he's never had a full workload. In fact, even at, dating back to college, because he had to share the backfield with, with guys like TJ Yeldon and, and Derrick Henry. I mean, he, he wasn't getting all the carries. In fact, he's never had more than 170 max carries in his entire career, which was just last year. He saw over 200 touches for the first time ever, even dating back to to college. But here's the thing. They don't have DJ, who, uh, you know, David Johnson, that is, who was a top five running back before he went down last year. And Chase Edmonds, I, I hear some some chatter about him being a nice ha- handcuff. That's all he is. Like they kept him at seventy touches last year for a reason. Like he's he's decent, but he's not going to take Kenyon Drake off the field. If Kenyon Drake does stay healthy this year, you're looking at a guy with two hundred fifty touches and a top eight running back finish, if not top six. He's going to get his first running back one season this year. Lock it up. They've got the best wide receiver core the Cardinals have had in over a decade. They've got year two of Kyler Murray learning how to do his thing. All the boxes you want to have checked for a high-powered offense to be feeding the feature back. Kenyon Drake is going to be that dude. And the only other non-obvious guy uh, that's a veteran or running back that I think is in line for a you know a serious breakout, and, and, and it's been talked about since his his impressive playoff work. Raheem Mostert, I think with 49ers running backs, maybe he's not an absolute feature. Maybe they do mix it up with a few other names in there. But Mostert is a guy who's got the speed. He's got the balance. Now he's got the opportunity entering a season where he could really make a name for himself. He's being drafted like on all the main platforms as like a running back three, like, you know, barely inside the, the top 30 running backs, maybe. Uh, and he's somebody who's ceiling because of how much 40, the 49ers are going to run the ball and because of you know, they've got a very unproven wide receiver core. Debo Samuel's still not healthy. Brandon Ayuk is a, is a first year. And really, it's all going to be going through George Kittle. I think if Raheem Mostert stays healthy and he, he does retain the job for the 49ers and, and beats his ADP, probably finishes with a mid-running back two season. It's, it's funny because we were so hyped up during the playoffs and he's just been lost in all the hype, I feel like, for months now. And just with uncertainty, you know, you know, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's not going to feed the same back for more than five seconds or whatever. But most of it's the guy I'm looking to target there. But moving on to some rookies, I'm really confident in 
Yes, we've seen four, you know, four or more rookie running backs crack 1,000 yards from scrimmage in a season in their in their rookie season just six, just three times since the year 2000. So, like in any given rookie class, you typically don't see more like four or more rookie running backs crack a thousand yards but you know this year we've got like I said Antonio Gibson and the big five or six that we are already excited about and Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards Hilaire like you have a bunch of guys to get excited about you could see there being even like six guys that could maybe get to a thousand yards from scrimmage if everything broke the right way. I asked Twitter what they thought and how many running backs would actually crack a thousand yards from scrimmage in year one. And you guys actually said that only it would probably only be two. Fifty-one percent of you said it would only be two, not three, not four, not five plus, only two. A lot of that is because people think it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Everybody's drafting him super high, but after that, the question marks start to to add up. But the thing is, there have been at least two rookie running backs with a thousand or more yards from scrimmage every single season since 2015. Say that again. There have been at least two rookie running backs with over a thousand yards from scrimmage every season since 2015. Three just last year, like with Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery. And that was in a weaker draft class. So it will be weird if we don't see at least three of these guys that were super confident in their talent actually hit that mark because, and I'm not saying they're all going to be a thousand plus rushing yards. In fact, I think it's, we're going to see zero. None of these guys, rookie running backs are going to break a thousand rushing yards in their first season. However, I do think we will see three of them, maybe even more, but three of them hit a thousand yards from scrimmage. The obvious answer to really get excited about is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But the problem is with him, the price is already kind of basically capped because frankly speaking, he is not Brian Westbrook and he is not Saquon Barkley. He is not Ezekiel Elliott. He's not the the slam dunk talent that's going top 10 of NFL draft picks that, you know, every team is just like, we're going to have to scheme around this kind of player. He's a 5'7", kind of thicker running back, but he's not like a, a just a monstrous athlete. In fact, he's a well below average NFL athlete. Uh, just undebatably so. Like if you look at his NFL combine, if you look at even how he plays, yes, he he can make somebody miss in space, and I like that. I like him as a player. I'm not saying don't draft him. I don't, I'm not saying avoid Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But if you look at his, the absolute ceiling, Mahomes doesn't hasn't been shown to target the running back a ton. And even when Kareem Hunt was getting fed on the ground there, they actually weren't sending more than 60 targets per season his way, and it was more like 50-something. So he's not got like some crazy receiving ceiling, unless something drastically changes in how they target their receiving options there, but they already have Travis Kelsey. They already have Tyreek Hill, and then they have Sammy Watkins, and then they have Miko Hardman. And so not everybody can have a, a bunch of targets outside of the, the main guys. So I think the ceiling is a little bit lower than people think with Edwards Hilaire. He's not going to get the rushing title like Kareem did, Kareem Hunt did when he came into the league. That's just not in the cards. So I'd be selling high, honestly, because he's already capped out like in dynasty leagues he's already going in the first round of NFL startups which is insane for you know a guy who prior to getting selected by the Chiefs wasn't even a top three back for most people that were really following along in the industry people we just love the situation being on the Kansas City Chiefs and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's not gonna have a great career or long career I'm just saying that he is overpriced criminally so so yes he's going to break out he could be a running back one but that's kind of a duh. Like you didn't need to hear me say that. He's not going to be. He's not worth the first overall. I've seen him go first overall in a redraft league this year, that, which is just frankly stupid. So don't do that. But 
I mean, I wish him the best. Keep your expectations in check. He's probably not going to crack a thousand rushing yards, but he probably will get over a thousand yards from scrimmage as a rookie because of the receiving work that he will get with probably 40, maybe 50 targets out of the backfield. And then, of course, I do like J.K. Dobbins. I wish he was in a different situation where he was going to get, you know, he's locked in for more work. I think year two is going to be his huge breakout. Still have Mark Ingram there. Still have some other faces there to share some targets with, with you know, Edwards and Hill. I think he's going to be the two there automatically, but his ceiling's probably capped to where he can't get to a thousand yards from scrimmage in his first season. So he probably doesn't enter your lineups a lot. He's more of a best ball target for me this year, especially, you know, if, if guys go down, he could be in line for a huge rushing workload. I, I do think he's going to be the most efficient rookie running back on his touches. But the, the other two Beyond, like I said, Antonio Gibson, I think he's in line. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in line. I said there would be three. I think the third guy that I, I would be safest predicting a thousand yards from scrimmage this year is actually Cam Akers, even though it's funny. Like I, I think Jonathan Taylor could have the best rookie season of them all, and he's my running back one in this draft class because you know he's a freak and everything. I think the opportunity, it might be the issue in year one more so than anybody else. Cam Akers is competing with Daryl Henderson, who's not proven himself uh, in his first year at all, and Malcolm Brown, who is, yeah, he's at like the apex of his career, like in his athletic prime, but he's never done anything in the league for more than like a stretch of a few games. So Cam Akers, I think, is going to dominate the touches for the Rams backfield and could get some receiving market share in an offense that's going to throw 630 or more times this year. So he could have the receiving upside. I don't think he's going to get to 1,000 rushing yards, but I think he could just limp his way to 1,000 yards in scrimmage, kind of like how TJ Yeldon did, actually. Uh, back for the Jaguars, I guess it was tw- like 2015, like limping in, just barely getting over a thousand yards of scrimmage. I think he could do that and even be inefficient because I don't. I still think the Rams have offensive line issues, but I think Cam Akers could be that other guy to get to a thousand yards. However, with that said, if Jonathan Taylor isn't the guy right away, clearly, and they they do hold on to Marlon Mack and do you know, give him more touches than he deserves. Target the heck out of Jonathan Taylor. Because again, I say this a, a bunch, like he's basically the the most impressively productive running back in college football history. Like he, he's got more yards from scrimmage than anybody else in all of NCAA history, all of modern NCAA history, except for, of course, like back in the day, Herschel Walker just barely edged him out like by less than a yard or something per game. So one of the most impressive running back prospects we've ever seen. You know, he's got perfect feature back size, ridiculous athleticism. So target him if he is not producing right away because he's going to be a running back one very soon in the NFL. And then, of course, at quarterback, I think both of the rookie quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, are going to break out in the last eight games of this season. I think they're, they're both going to be back in quarterback ones. They're not in perfect situations to just hit the ground running. I mean, they're not going to dominate their surroundings like they did in college, but they basically just put together uh, two of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen in college football. If, if Tua had stayed healthy, his adjusted pass, adjusted numbers like per pass were just as impressive as Joe Burrow's numbers were with 60 touchdowns last year. They both were around 13 adjusted yards per pass attempt last year, just breaking what we thought was even possible at the quarterback position in college football. These two are, are probably the two quarterbacks that I'm more conf- most confident in that I've ever seen come out into the NFL. I make more so than like, even like, I, I, obviously in, re- in retrospect, 
Patrick Mahomes is good. We know, but no one was super confident that he was going to as confident because he was coming from Texas Tech and the weird system, kind of a gunslinger. I think Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, if he stays healthy, those two have the highest ceiling, and I'm most confident that they're going to have a safe floor, like more so than I have been ever since I've been doing this. They, they've just broken what I even thought was possible for college football quarterback play. And I think that's going to continue. Miami needs to surround Tua with some weapons, but they're going to break out. And in the back half of this year, they're going to be quarterback ones for you. Probably not going to finish that on the full season, but back half of this season, they're going to be quarterback ones for you. They're going to plug and play. They're going to be streaming options in, in deeper leagues. And Superflex, you'd be glad you took them early. At tight end, Mike Gesicki and Chris Herndon are my two favorite guys I keep on drafting everywhere when I, when I can. Chris Herndon is is forgotten, but all they really have there for the Jets to throw to is uh, an inefficient Le'Veon Bell and then Jamison Crowder, who actually saw over 120 targets last year. And of course, they brought in Rashad Perryman. He's never been good, not going to be good now. He was kind of efficient a, a little bit uh, in, in Tampa, but he's not going to be a trustworthy, high-volume guy. Chris Herndon's going to slot in as the real wide receiver two option as the tight end there. Uh, I love Denzel Mims to kind of step up and have a role, but I think Chris Herndon's going to have enough targets to be a, a mid-tight end one this year for you. And Mike Kosicki, like I said, they need to surround Tua Tungavaloa with more weapons in Miami. Preston Williams, maybe he stays healthy this year. And Devontae Parkett, maybe he, you know, he stays healthy this year. But Gasicki is going to be at least the third target, if not the second target in that offense, and already put together a strong season last year. He's been making plays a lot out of the slot. He's going to take the next step and be the breakout target. Both of those are two guys I'm targeting everywhere. But that's all the time we have for this episode. I wish you all the best in all of your redraft leagues, all your dynasty leagues. And if you guys just love NFL football, it's finally back. Get pumped. Thanks so much for listening. Again, we're only 11 episodes into the College to Canton podcast. And if you uh, want to check out a bunch of the RotoViz tools that we have on our site, uh, I mentioned a bunch of the production metrics that we like with wide receivers. There's even some that we like for running backs as well. You can play with all the tools. We've got the best draft tools out there and available. Uh, and if you want to check out RotoViz subscription, you can get 10% off if you just use the RotoViz radio promo code. It's 2020. RV radio when you go to check out if you're getting a road of his subscription that's 10% off for you but please do leave a rate and review and leave any questions in your review and we'll get it on the show but uh, thanks for listening and I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the College Again Podcast The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.